we, we can come in for phenomenal fee in comparison to what it would cost them if they were shut down for, in some cases, weeks, possibly even months. From Ray and Associates Remote Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader and help your organization thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com slash podcast and sign up for updates. If you've been watching the news lately, you've probably noticed an uptick in reports about cybercrime as many companies operate with a remote workforce. If you're preparing for re-entry, you have a lot to consider, not only from a health and safety standpoint, but your cyber safety concerns don't go away as soon as your team is back in your physical building. In fact, re-entry poses a lot of cyber risks to companies. Two of Ray's top cybersecurity professionals, Sean Richardson and Ty Wittenberg, are here today to talk about how to reintegrate your employees and your information systems without adding additional risk to your business. They'll share what threats to look for upon re-entry and the most important issues to consider while migrating your workforce back to your company's network. This stuff is critically important, so let's jump right in. Welcome to Unsuitable, Sean and Ty. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Obviously, the, everybody's world has gotten turned upside down here. And, and cyber crime and cybersecurity is of, uh, always of importance, but, but even more so during these, these times. So what, what have you guys been seeing? What have you been working on as we all of a sudden were hit with this, this COVID-19 crisis and the remote work became necessary? So that's a great question, uh, Doug. Uh, one, one of the things that, uh, that never goes away is, you know, while these companies are reintegrating themselves uh, and their employees and, and work staff and, and workforce back into uh, their, their home, home network environments and their corporate environments and, and so on, you know, the, the, the risk to the business doesn't go away. In fact, it goes, it, it's escalated because now we've got devices and uh, user accounts and data um, all has either left their network uh, or riding a home network, if you will. And, uh, you know, bringing all of those machines and those devices back into a home network bodes, bodes a, a lot of risk there uh, from, from several angles. To your point, Doug, the, the cyber, uh, the, the cyber crime and the cyber uh, risk in general uh, overall is, is not gone away. In fact, it is heightened. Uh, greatly. We have uh, um, a few things we can talk about today centered around what to look for, but primarily uh, to answer your question directly, it's, uh, you know, this reintegration period is is going to be challenging for some, but one of the, the biggest things that, that you've got to keep on the forefront is, is devices that leave the network 
employees' identities that leave their home network, and they're now migrating themselves back into to their home networks. So, so talk about that a little bit, Sean. What by by leaving? I mean, we all have laptops and and right. cell phones that connect. You know, are, are connected to our work lives. Those don't separated. It's uh, all of those things uh, are, are part of our life. So when you talk about being connected to the home network and then back integrated into the work network, what specific risks does that pose? And on an ongoing basis, that, that doesn't really change, does it? No, it doesn't. In fact, um, a lot of times, uh, um, you know, it's a status quo, right? Uh, people oftentimes do work at home. Uh, what uh, what most companies uh, in the small to medium sized business space, you know, 250 employees or less, were not used to before COVID nineteen is is yes they would go home and 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 work naturally, but uh, most of them did not connect through a secure means like a, a virtual private network and VPN. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and so, so they were, they were connecting through other means, whether it be a third party application, you know, an RMM software, a remote management software or what have you. Uh, and, and frankly, not all of those are safe. Um, uh, um, you know, best practice within the industry is, is to connect via a, uh, a virtual yes. private network uh, or, you know, a, a, an encrypted tunnel, if you will, uh, so that they can take that, asset and connect it safely back to the home network. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, and, and obviously, you know, if, if I'm a business owner, say, you know, typical mid, you know, small to mid-sized business, you know, I, I don't necessarily have uh, obviously my own IT staff. Uh, I know having been in that world, when I was a CFO, mm-hmm. I was the IT person. And let me tell you, I wasn't qualified. So <laughs> what, what, what should somebody be doing? You know, it can, can, can we do a, a quick and dirty assessment for folks to try to pinpoint where their risks are, you know, those types of things? Yeah. So that's a great question. You, you want to answer that? Yeah. I think that's a really great question. A re-entry risk assessment. A re-entry yeah. risk assessment, which is actually part of our probably standard protocol when we do a, a security risk assessment. You've got your organization's data and an intellectual property, which is probably some of the most important things for a business. It's what differentiates them from the competitors. And so for us, our ability to go in and if you're trying talking about a reentry would be to take a look at doing some form of a scan of the system for data and, okay. and for shadow IT. Yeah. Yeah. So- when we talk about that's a great point, Ty. And and when we talk about shadow uh, IT or shadow information technology or applications, if you will, a lot of times, uh, again, just to kind of paint a picture, you're taking uh, company assets into a foreign network, right? Mm-hmm. So our home networks. Um, I can't count on both hands how many conversations that the both of us have had with staff members and and even our clients that hey. I, how do I connect a VPN at home? Uh, right. I, you know, I, I'm not sure how that, that all happens, but I still got to do my job, right? Right. Uh, 
and so so typically what happens in that case foreign applications will get get installed on the on that local machine uh, um, some of them not approved to try to find circumvention and and ways of to you know make to, your job easier yeah to make your job yeah. easier because they got a job to do, right? Right. Uh, so you combine that with the stress and the anxiety of COVID nineteen and what's going on. You know, you're still trying to move the ball forward, and oftentimes what happens is is a user, a user naturally will find ways to just 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 to make it work. So they'll connect to like Gmail and G Suite and Dropbox yeah. and Box, Box yeah. you know. Cloud applications that, frankly, in some cases or in most cases, are unsanctioned and and not approved inside of a, a corporate or or a business network. So you, you mentioned a little bit there, you know, talking about the cloud, and obviously many businesses have moved uh, all of their information into the cloud. It's certainly very cost effective, and 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 all of that, but. Talk a little bit more about some of the, the risks there, you know, how, how secure that environment is for your data and, and some of the risks that that poses for businesses. Sure. That's a great question. I, I, don't, I don't think the cloud makes you any less safer. You're still managing a network, right? So I think when we talk about it, the real keys kind of come into play of, is there a process? Is there a logical uh, logical steps that people are taking to ensure that they're not thinking that the cloud is going to secure everything for them. The cloud has a responsibility to their infrastructure, but we have a responsibility to safeguarding our connections and network to it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that has to do with your security teams or with your IT teams, making sure that um, they're putting policies in place um, that uh, are limiting access only for uh, the most uh, need to have it, you know, privilege access, uh, keeping that true uh, to the policy. Also making sure that, you know, you hear a lot of times where in the news, uh, an S3 bucket from Amazon has been compromised. And that's because more times than not, it's it's not necessarily the information security team that's done that. It's been a member of the team that has kind of found a workaround for the organization to make it work and has not put the policies in place uh, to ensure that we're safeguarding data, uh, and, and intellectual property. Yeah. <laughs> Additionally, uh, security controls, you know, a framework. Uh, and, and those are all things that, that most, you know, again, you know, 250 and below smaller companies, they, they don't really have or understand what the, the importance of a security control framework, like NIST cybersecurity framework, which is uh, something that we use. Um, you know, you've got other frameworks, COVID, and then you've got other regulatory frameworks that go and from regulatory bodies that go over that. Mm-hmm. Security rule, PCI DSS. So HIPAA is healthcare. PCI DSS is the payment card industry data right. security standard, right? That's all things credit cards. And, and, and so back to your question, you know, specific to, to cloud apps and moving data to the cloud. Again, it starts with a business process. It starts with assessing the risk and accepting the inherent risk of that particular application or putting controls around that application within the business to, yeah. to protect their, their intellectual property and, and, and company data. Well, it's it's like anything, you know, and, and we're as as a CPA and consulting firm, I mean, a lot of what we do is risk mitigation for our clients across different things. It's no different than if it's their accounting procedures or 
from a tax perspective, what we're talking about here and what we want folks to be aware of is that cyber is another of those things that they have to mitigate risk around and understand their risk. And they should be investing just as much time and effort in that as they do those other things, right? Absolutely. 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 So what what are some of the the biggest risks you, you see today? I hear a lot of this about, you know, phishing and, and some of these other things where uh, companies send money and they shouldn't. Where, where, where do you see the biggest vulnerabilities today? So I'll tell you, uh, in, in, in our research and, and how we've interacted with clients over the last eight to 10 weeks during this crisis, we've seen a, a huge uptick and the, the industry has seen a huge uptick in compromise of Office 365. Um, uh, and so Office 365 is the Microsoft's, um, uh, their, their network in the cloud, if you will. Uh, it's, it's all built on Azure. Uh, and, and, and so that, that tenant that holds all things, email and other applications, data, SharePoint, and so on. Um, what's happening is, is uh, baseline security controls for those tenants in the cloud uh, don't have the recommended you know, control sets that, that they should. Uh, wow. And so it's, it, and it's a common, it's a common thing that, that has been happening. And so, so the bad actors uh, come in and, and, and leverage those known threat vectors to compromise uh, those instances. So that's that's probably one of the biggest ones uh, that we've seen thus far. In fact, um, we've had several calls and are currently engaged in with with clients uh, and and other organizations to help them walk that back. Right. And, um, yeah. And, uh, so there's, there's also, that's also tied to phishing as well. Okay. So, uh, obviously phishing, everyone's heard that term for several years. It is a way of getting someone to, uh, to obfuscate bad, bad code or, uh, bad activities by, uh, through, through social engineering, basically. So, so, uh, you know, someone trying to attempt to, to, um, prove themselves to be someone that they're not, uh, to convince Doug Hauser or, or Brad that, that, Hey, you know, I need you to click on this email or I need you to click on this link or hey, right. respond to me with some information. Right. right. And, and then yeah. what happens then is, is that information is, leveraged to go and compromise said, uh, said instances of office 365 and, 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 and there's others, but, um, yeah. the common threat vector. So, so if I'm a business owner though, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of it, it comes down to, you know, okay, cost benefit, you know, these types of decisions. And I'm looking through this, this COVID-19 period, what's my business going to look like post crisis. So is, is it, the case with cyber that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, or is it better to just say, ah, you know what, I'm going to wait till something happens and then, you know, go get the experts to, to fix it. What, what, what kind of uh, feedback can you give us on that? Well, ladder. you know, I would say that, you know, risk has probability in it without a doubt. But it's worth it to pay up front uh, what may seem expensive than to spend thousands more than what you may be able to afford. And so Paul, uh, one, of our, uh, one of our peers, one of the principals here, Paul Hugenberg, 
always likes to go through this presentation where if you make $5 million in revenue a year, right, and you have, and you go through all of the costs afterwards and you have an event that is 20% of, of your revenue, can, you know, which comes out to a million dollars, can you withstand that event? Well, if it's going to cost me $25,000 to do a risk assessment to help me identify those potential risks and reduce the frequency of the threat and, and reduce my vulnerabilities, which are things that I, vulnerabilities are the things I can control. Why wouldn't you spend the 25000 right. versus taking the million dollar hit? And then beyond the monetary factor of it, can you withstand the reputation piece of it? Your reputation... If we talk about uh, a large retailer like a Target, they've come out of it okay. But if you think about the credit card scandal that they had where they lost all that credit card data, right. it took several years for people to feel comfortable and, and their reputation took a bit of a hit. Yeah. Yeah. For many businesses, that that trust factor and that that uh, is of the utmost importance, certainly in our business in the financial services industry. Absolutely. That if you don't have that, you got nothing. So, um, and a lot of times people don't take that into calculation exactly. for their secondary loss. Exactly. As a revenue impact. Yep. Um, we had uh, another uh, perfect use case and it's, it's been made public for several months late last year here at Dublin company uh, after over a decade of being in business, they closed their doors mm -hmm. after an event because they couldn't wow. recover. Uh, it was, uh, it, it, it was, yeah, it was catastrophic for them. Yeah. So if, if again, Sean and Ty, if I'm, if I'm a business owner, you know, closely held family run business, you know, maybe I'm 10 million in revenue can yeah. I get a, a, a risk assessment done fairly reasonably to, to at least understand where my risk is before right. I then maybe think about additional engagement? What does that look like? Great yeah. question. Yeah, great question. Uh, so, so yes, uh, a lot of times, uh, oftentimes business owners of that size uh, believe that going back to your statement you made earlier, uh, we're, we're just going to wait until something happens. Well, we've already talked through that, right? Uh, yeah. So if, if as a trusted advisor, uh, as you know, as our team uh, presents ourselves as, as subject matter experts in, in, in identifying risk, we, we can come in and build a program for them for for nominal fee in comparison to what it would cost them if they were, you know, they were shut down for, in some cases, weeks, possibly even months. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and what that looks like, uh, Doug, is, is, you know, we have, uh, we have a couple of different ways we approach it. If, if they don't have any type of framework in place at all, meaning they don't have any cybersecurity controls, they don't have any um, policies, you know, and policies and procedures, no one's looked at what's critical to the business. Our, our approach is, is, is where is your most critical data? Where's your most critical systems? You know, by the way, what, what are you doing from a policies and procedures perspective, internal to the business, tying that all back to controls with the, not just not having a technical conversation, but a business conversation? Yeah. What are your business goals over the next two, three, five years? And, and all those business objectives that you have, we can have, we can tie a technical control to that. Mm. 
Oftentimes what happens is owners get frustrated by uh, a bunch of jargon and, and statements and sales and, and, and sales lingo. And, and, and as trusted advisors, we, we just cut directly to the chase. And that is where, where's your risk class? What, what is most important to you as a business owner? To your point, family-owned business, been in business for a couple decades. They're, they're only doing 10, 12, $15 million a year, maybe. And, and, and let's simplify that conversation all centered around business risk versus a technical conversation. Yeah. No, I think that's a great approach too. And I think it's something for folks to think about is, is ultimately they look to transition their business to some degree, whether it's internally within the family or, Absolutely. you know, a, a ESOP or third party sale or anything like that. If, if you don't have this kind of hole buttoned up as best you can, uh, you're, you're greatly reducing the value of your business, right? I'm, I'm yeah. sure, you know, that's, that's what we're, a- we're going through right now with one of our clients that, that exact scenario, they were, uh, they were just a, regular LLC, they trans and they transferred over to an ESOP. And, and one of the very first things post audit was we identified some risks as it related to cyber and immediately they engaged us and, and we're building a program for them as we speak. And, and so to your point, as, as that business grows and the objectives change, yeah. we tie that all back to the risk from a cyber perspective. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. So, so Sean, I got to ask you one last question. Since you've got a military background, give us give us a cool military story that you've got that you can share, wh- whether it's cyber related or, or or not. Anything come to mind? Yeah, so I, I like to share. I like to share this one. Um, it, it is cyber related. So I, I managed a, a team of about four hundred hackers. Uh, all uh, males and females, uh, all walks of life, all with a, a special set of skills, as uh, Liam Neeson would say. And in, in, uh, in, in, in <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, our job was to um, and the mo- most of the activities that we did were in, you know, in a, a specialized space that was. Uh, off grid, uh, what we like to call, um, in a cl- you'd have to have a clearance to to be involved, if you will, and and read on at a certain level. And uh, so our job was to take these missions that come in and build teams based upon capabilities. Uh, and so in this particular case, we built a uh, we built built a small team to go off and do uh, do what they do best. And in this particular case, it was uh, to just gather some information. And uh, and one of the uh, one of the the, the soldiers that was on that team uh, was responsibility was um, for all the equipment that, to carry all the equipment that we use, specialized equipment. What is yeah. called that? And uh, one of the particular scanners and, and software tied to that scanner, and in some countries, uh, are considered either not safe or unauthorized right. or what have you. And, uh, and, uh, as long story short, uh, they got to their destination and this young man was, uh, pulled aside and interrogated for hours and we had to make some phone calls and needless to say, uh, we, we still tease him to this day. <laughs> uh, while during that event, uh, he was likely, and, and we, we as well, we want to make sure that we're doing due diligence as, 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 uh, as a country and, and during that mission, but, but no, just several, I appreciate you asking that question. Um, several, uh, situations like that, uh, uh, all, 
um, for the most part, you know, all off grid and, and uh, doing good things. Very cool. That's some, that's some, that's some spy level stuff there. We'll have to converse more over some uh, adult beverages of choice. Perhaps. There, we go. there we go. Well, uh, Sean and Ty, this has been uh, a super great, very informative for me. I, I will definitely uh, have you guys back on cause we could do a, 2.0, 3.0, uh, number oh, of versions cool. of this. So well, we appreciate it very much. I mean, I mean, it's really, uh, it's really important to us to, to just, we want to have a conversation with anybody, you know, during this re-entry. If you're just not, if you're not, not comfortable, just pick up the phone. Uh, yeah. you know, those three most important things, you know, bringing those devices back into those home networks, analyzing, you know, potential foreign, foreign softwares and, and stuff like that, determining if company data has left your network, which yeah. is in some cases. So, or if new applications have been added yeah, absolutely. To, to the machine after it left the office. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff for sure. Well, if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 